All right. If you guys want to open up with you guys uh, with me to Romans chapter 14. Romans 14. It's we've been in the book of Romans for a while, and we are continuing through. Okay, Romans 14. We're going to be looking at verses 13 through 23 today. Um, before we jump into the passage, got a quick question for us. What does it mean to be a Christian? Or what are things that we should be doing? What are things we shouldn't be doing? Like if you had a, like a, um, a friend who said, hey, what, do, what are things, things Christians should be doing and not doing? What would you tell them? Well, the beautiful thing is that the Bible, it speaks to a lot of these things, right? There's very explicit commands from Scripture on things to do that glorify God and to not do, a.k.a. sin, right? Things that are against God's character, his commands, his righteousness, and so on. So we know these things is pretty basic. But then there's these things, um, that a lot of things actually, that aren't explicitly addressed in the Bible, that the Bible doesn't specifically talk about, you know, how to engage in this or that, right? Like some of the things is how we celebrate holidays, right? We celebrate holidays maybe a little differently in this church. Like we have Easter coming up, right? Um, I love Easter. And uh, so the question is, are we, is it okay to do an Easter egg hunt? Now, for most of you, I'm assuming, you're like, uh, of course, it's Easter. But there are some people in the church who are like, no, that's like, a pagan holiday thing, and we don't do that. So, so there's there's these issues in the church, right? I mean, if you like painting eggs and you're you're you know you're stoked on the glitter and all that, like you want to do it. So, so, so how do we navigate those kind of things? Maybe it's uh, choices of entertainment, right? What do we? What can we watch? What can we listen to? Things like that. Like, was it okay to enjoy the Super Bowl halftime show? Right, with Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre, right, Eminem, like, and, uh, you know, we had some of our friends over, you know, when we're watching this thing, and I, 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 I felt guilty that I enjoyed it so much. Like, I would never tell anyone to go and listen to these artists, ever. Um, but I did in my BC days, and so it was very nostalgic, and I'm like, I really, I mean, I'm like, I'm bobbing my head. Like, everyone else is, like, getting into it. I'm like, wait, am I leading these people into sin? You know, like, I'm kind of freaking out my mind. But we enjoyed it. We had fun. And we didn't really talk about it after. Um, but <laughs> is it okay to enjoy secular music, non-Christian music, as a Christian? Right, so there's these gray areas in Christianity that the Bible doesn't explicitly speak to. And so here's the thing. You're going to run into people in this church and other churches, believers, who will fall on different sides of these kind of matters. Right? They'll hold different convictions. They might not partake in things that you feel like you have the freedom to partake in. So the question is, how do we interact in these situations? Right? How do we, how do we view others in our heart? who maybe don't hold the same convictions as we do, right, that, that maybe uh, feel like they have the freedom to do something that we don't. Like, how do, we, how do we deal with that? How are we using our freedom? And is it possible in, in trying to walk in our freedom to maybe cross the line into sin? Is that possible? And so today we're going to look at that. We're going to look at how do we use our freedom in relation to God and relation to others. So let's read it. Verses 13 through 23, I would always encourage you guys to bring your Bibles to church so you guys can read along. Um, I'm not opposed to the Bible app, um, yeah, but we love Bibles. Okay, here we go. So verse 13, it says this, Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, 
not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and I'm convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him who for Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is good or for, good or for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For if he who in this way serves Christ is, is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is not good to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith. And whatever is not from faith is sin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word, for your truth to help guide and direct us in our lives. And today we just pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would reveal to us things in our lives um, that, w- that maybe need to be surrendered in areas, Lord, that um, you're calling us to walk in freedom in. And so we just thank you for this morning. Pour out your spirit and would you speak to each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so last week, you know, Mike kind of, he, he, he walked us through how difficult it is uh, to cook for vegans, right? So we realized, okay, that's kind of it. And, and, you know, maybe think twice about having them over for dinner. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, and so what we learned about, there's these differences going on between those who ate meat and those who cho- chose not to eat meat, right? And so the word refers to them as stronger brothers and weaker brothers, right? The stronger members and weaker members of the church. And it wasn't that he's not putting anyone down for being like physically weak, right? He's not like, man, you've been skipping legs day, right? No, it's like it's talking about um, people who have a weaker conscience in regards to eating meat either sacrificed to idols um, or, or those who may be still held to Jewish dietary laws. So the stronger ones who had a stronger conscience, understood that Christ has come and he's declared all foods clean, right? And so you see this tension between believers in the church and where they fall on different sides of, of what can be kind of seen as a gray area. And so Paul exhorts the weaker brothers who have a weaker conscience towards these things to not judge the stronger brothers who feel like they can walk in that freedom in a way that honors and pleases God, and on the other hand, he's saying, hey, stronger brothers, don't look down on those who don't feel like they have the freedom to enjoy the freedoms you walk in. And just don't, don't, um, don't discourage them, but look for ways to encourage them. And so um, we see that it could be easy to kind of look at these surface level things, right? And we do this. We'll look at like kind of surface level things at what other believers are doing and maybe kind of compare what they're doing, what we're doing, right? And I know we don't do this in this church, um, but a lot of Christians actually struggle judging one another. It's crazy. Like, they, they, they judge people. Anyways, and so the word is going to get to the heart of the matter. And today it's calling us to the mat and it's saying, how is your heart in the middle of all these differences of opinion? How is your heart in the, in, in the matter of freedom and dealing with others who don't see things the way that you see them? All right, so our first point is Christ gives us freedom from the law and freedom in faith, right? And so in verse 14, it says that I know I'm convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. 
right? But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So I want to focus on this part. We're saying that nothing is unclean in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in the Old Testament, okay, there are these old ceremonial laws that were given to Israel. All right. So if you're reading through the Bible this year, is anyone attempting to read through the Bible this year? Anyone out there? Brave souls. Yes, I love it. You guys are awesome. So when you get to Leviticus, you're going to see some interesting laws. Um, you're going to see things like don't, you know, boil a baby goat in its mother's milk. Well, never been tempted with that. I'm good, right? That's weird. Um, you know, but there's things like, like don't touch dead gecko. Now here I'm like, okay, Lord, that. Because, I mean, we're in Hawaii, right? Like dead geckos. And so, you know, I've literally like made sure I had something like a paper towel or something. But I don't want to touch it. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But because that's just gross. You don't want to actually touch a dead gecko. Um, but there's these other laws. And there were these uh, uh, dietary laws that you couldn't eat certain types of meat, right? And so, um, and so we, we see that the, the reason for these food laws in the Old Testament was God was trying to teach Israel that you can't just come to him um, and as they were, right? The Israelites, they needed to be purified and they needed to be set apart from the surrounding nations. So, so many, so many of the ceremonial laws were actually showing them how to be set apart from the nations and, and set apart for the Lord. Um, but the cool thing is, is now in Christ, right, we're, bought in, we're brought into God's presence holy and without blemish. See, Jesus upheld every single one of those laws for us on our behalf. And the cool thing is that when Jesus went and he died on the cross and rose again, the ceremonial laws that were given to Israel were done away with. See, God was not now working through Israel anymore, but new covenant people from where there's going to be people from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. So he's, he's now not using the nation of Israel, but the people of God that were going to be from all over the world. And so we see him instilling the kingdom of heaven, right, and inaugurating this new kingdom with new kingdom people. And so they're now no longer held to the Mosaic law, but now follow King Jesus and his teachings and his commands and his example. And here's the thing. Jesus' uh, teachings and commands are a little bit more hardcore, I think, right, because what we see in the, in the teachings of Christ is they actually got to the heart of the law, like why we were called to do these things, right, and it talks to more about of our relationship with God, right, and how we display his glory to the world. And so there's Christians in Rome who could either be struggling with those, those laws still, struggling with the dietary laws from the old law, and they couldn't do it with a clean conscience, and others who were struggling with meat that had been sacrificed to idols. And so Paul makes this really clear for us in 1 Corinthians 8. And he says this, Therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world, and that there is no God but one. Food will not commend us to God. We are neither the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do. And so we see that as believers, we've been freed in this matter. And see, Paul was just echoing the teachings of Jesus anyways, if you guys know the teaching, right? In Mark, Jesus says, do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach and is eliminated. Thus, he declared all foods clean. And all the foodies in the house said amen, right? Um, we're stoked that Jesus did that for us. Um, and Jesus, go, he goes on to tell us, you know, what ha it's what, what's happening in the heart that defiles a person. And it's really important for us to get that as we move on. 
See, some of them didn't understand their freedom in Christ. And they might have heard these teachings from Jesus and Paul, but their conscience still didn't allow them to do it free from guilt. And here's where Paul addresses it. If you guys want to uh, look down or I think look up in verses 22 to 23 of this chapter in Romans. He says, the faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. That means it's between you and the Lord. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. And so what Paul's saying, right, is to him who understands that the, the, the freedom that they have to eat meat has been given from God He's a happy guy. He's like, man, I can go and enjoy food with a clear conscience in the freedom that God has given me. Right? But for someone who isn't sure and their conscience just doesn't allow them to get there, they actually think they would be doing something wrong if they ate meat and then they eat it and it's not from faith, that is wrong. That is sin. Right? And so verse 14 in this chapter makes it clear. It says, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. And so if, if someone acts against their conscience, even if that act isn't inherently wrong, it's wrong for them because they don't think it's in accordance of what it means to be a follower of Christ. They don't think it's a righteous act for them. And so their faith hasn't informed their behavior. Even though it's not wrong, if it wasn't from faith, it's sin. Now, that's the explanation. Here's the tricky part. You might be like, well, are, are you trying to say that if I'm not convicted about something or if my conscience doesn't stop me from doing something, then it's okay? Because if that's the case, like, man, I don't feel bad at all for maybe, like, kind of white lying to my spouse about how much I spend on Amazon, right? I don't feel bad at all. Like, no conviction here. Conscience, are you there? No? Cool, right on, right? And so we can kind of, like, are we freed up in that? Right, maybe some of us, um, you know, maybe do we have to feel bad if, like, you know, we're scrolling on our phone for a couple hours, playing games, while well, we should be being responsible, right? But I don't feel bad at all. No, yep, clear conscience, totally good. Are we, are we good, Lord? Are we good, right? Um, others maybe, uh, you know, even watching a new show on Netflix and you love it, you're like, man, this show is great. You know, you're like, yeah, it's like it's rated mature and no one else, everyone else probably thinks it's bad. You know, yeah, there's nudity and super harsh language and it's full of garbage, but I like it, right? And it's like, you know, it's like I have no conviction at all. Conscience? Yeah, cool, we're good. Like, it's like, is that what we're saying? As long as we don't get stopped by our conscience, are we okay? Now, one of those is an explicit command so to do not lie. So maybe some of you need to have that heart-to-heart -heart with your spouse today and talk about your spending habits on Amazon. That's fine. Um, you know, but, but what about the other ones, right? Is there too much phone time for a believer? Oh, I don't know. Is there, uh, is there, is there some kind of grid that we are supposed to have to help us navigate what movies and shows we're allowed to watch as Christians? Right? And I think different Christians are going to land in different places on this. Right? So we've been given, check this out, we've been given the word of God. We've been given the spirit of God to help guide and direct us. There are very clear commands in scriptures. This honors God, this doesn't. Right? We have the moral law that derives from his eternal character, like things that apply for all of eternity. Do not murder, do not covet, do not steal. Right? These are the moral law of God. And then Jesus goes on to say that all of the law hangs on two commands, right? Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? And so, so now with those in mind, Paul here gives us another uh, inclination of what it can look like to walk out our faith and make these decisions in our life, and it's at the end of verse 23. Whatever is done not from faith 
is sin. Right, so, so here is, is a guiding factor for us when navigating those gray areas in our life. Right, because there might be these areas in our life that, that we don't feel bad about, we don't feel convicted about right now. Right, but we have to ask ourselves, can I do these things from faith? Like if I, were, can I, if I hold up this area of my life, you know, and let my faith interact with it, what would happen? Because sometimes we don't want to, there's certain areas of our life that we don't want to ask the question. Like there's some areas of our life where ignorance is bliss. You know, like what would God say about this? Like let's not ask. You know, like we just, we can want to continue to kind of navigate this area and not let uh, the word of God kind of weigh on certain things in our life. Because if we did, maybe the question, can I do this from faith, would be a little harder to answer. And so I think a lot of times, you know, I know I've done this, you know, I compartmentalize different things that I do, different habits, different um, things that I enjoy, and I'm not allowing certain biblical truths to weigh on it, right? And so are we putting these things up to the grid of can I do this from faith? Are we doing this with what we watch, the, the music we listen to, the places we go, the activities we partake in? Right, because we might be using our time and our money, and, you know, and our, and our energy doing things that aren't necessarily sin, but can we do them from faith? Because the last thing I want to do is empower you guys to walk in freedom, yeah, but, that, but you're really walking in things that aren't from faith. Like these things aren't leading you towards Christ's likeness. They're not, do, they're not honoring the Lord, right? Not, it's not like if, you know, Danny says, if I'm not convicted and my conscience doesn't stop me, then I'm good. Like that's not what I'm saying. Right, God's word is true. We have his commandments, we know his character, and we know what we've been called to in Christ. And so we have to run our decisions and our habits through the word and the grid of can I do this from faith. Right, is this, is this loving God with my heart, soul, strength, and mind? Is this loving God with my time? Right, is this thing that I'm doing good for my heart? Is it good for my soul? Does it honor the Lord? And so if we can say yes to these things, then from here we can be happy before God and our convictions and walk in freedom because we do it from faith. And so how do we walk in these freedoms in relation to others? It leads us to our second point. Christ enables us to use our freedom to love and build up others. So verse 15, look down with me. Verse 15, for if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. Now, I'm assuming most of you guys aren't struggling with eating pork um, or maybe you are, um, or, or, or meat sacrificed to idols. Now, if you're eating meat that's being sacrificed to idols, come see me after church. We can talk about it and pray about it. Um, but, but how is this actually fleshed out in the 21st century? So um, growing up, I wasn't allowed to listen to non-Christian music. So I grew up in a Christian home. Um, so secular music was off limits. Anybody there with me? Anybody? Or am I just the loser upstairs? No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, did it maybe cause me to rebel? Maybe. But um, it, it's, it's, there's these things that people kind of differ on. And, uh, and if you feel convicted to not listen to secular music, that's great for you. Um, you know, if it's not from faith, it's sin. But growing up in a, in a Christian home and not being able to do this, um, I tried to figure out, like, loopholes, okay? And so uh, I would find bands 
that I liked that didn't swear in their lyrics. And I would tell my parents, hey, look, they don't, they don't swear. They're, they're a Christian band. And my parents would be like, oh, okay, you know, they were so trusting. And so I was like, I wasn't a good kid. I was kind of kolohe, right? And so I was just always trying to navigate around um, this uh, problem for me because all my friends were listening to these bands. And uh, there was this one band. It was called Newfound Glory. And it's this rock band that I liked. And I'm like, hey, look, it has the word glory in it. They weren't Christian. It's totally a Christian band. And my parents were like, oh, okay, you know, it's just like, you know, and so I would, I would be, be kind of working that angle. Um, another topic that I think that I've seen um, recently in the past, kind of all over, is the topic of Harry Potter. Now, uh, growing up, I wasn't necessarily allowed to watch it. I mean, I never asked. How about that? I wasn't, I never had the desire. I was like, hey, mom, I want to watch Harry Potter. That, that, wasn't, that wasn't my jam. Um, but I, I remember hearing about Christian parents not allowing their kids to watch Harry Potter. And I, and I think that might even be present today, maybe in this church, like no Harry Potter in my house. Um, and so, you know, and then for, uh, for some other people, you're like, are we having a Harry Potter marathon after church? Like, right? And so, so we're going to fall on different sides of, of different things in the church because, you know, Dumbledore is way worse than Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. We get that, all these things, right? Um, and so, you know, there's the, it's, just, it's an interesting uh, uh, tension to navigate. Now, I found this list of things. Um, that fell into this category in a really old commentary that was talking about the things that divide, that have divided the church or people kind of fell in different areas on. Um, and if these things were still true today, at least in this church, none of us would be safe. Um, so I'm just going to give it to you guys. I thought they were pretty intense. It said some people thought that Christians shouldn't, one, go to the movie theaters. So uh, your movie plans after church, yeah, they're gone. Um, two, have a TV. Um, so if you have TVs, you're a heathen. Um, I can take that off your hands. So if you've got like a nice big TV, just I'll take it for you. Um, you can't wear makeup. Uh, you can't use tobacco. So this is kind of like back in the day smoking was cool. Now it's not. So I don't know how big of a deal that is now. But playing cards. Now I heard that there's some cribbage tournaments going on in this church. You guys better repent. I'm just kidding. Um, but for some Christian circles, that's not good. Um, dancing, no, no, it's not okay. Now, the truth is, some of you guys really shouldn't dance. But, but, but you know, th- this is something that, like, and some of you guys came from churches where dancing wasn't okay. And, like, you know, God bless you guys. But um, another one was, partic- you know, you couldn't participate or watch sports. They thought it was, you know, idolatry and egotistical no comment. So um, one of the things was that they couldn't listen to unapproved Christian music. Now, I was talking about, like, non-Christian music. There's actually, s- like, sections in the church that are like, no, no, no. There's approved Christian music and unapproved Christian music, like Christian rap, Lecrae. No, no, no. Like, just give me some of that Chris Tomlin, right, or some of that Randy Travis, right, or whatever that looks like for you guys. And I'm thinking, man, this commentary is old. And... <laughs> But I think I just described maybe some of your guys' churches back home, right? And so our church is actually pretty laid back, and, and, and we're blessed in this way. I would say one topic that has kind of remained true throughout, you know, the, the decades is the matter of drinking alcohol, right? And it's a tricky subject in the church, right? Um, is it okay for Christians to drink, right? And the answer to that is can you do it from faith? We know that God has created wine as a blessing. 
right, that Jesus' first miracle was to turn water to wine, that communion was actually first practiced with wine and remained that way into the first church and throughout church history. Jesus drank wine. He actually was called a drunkard and a glutton because he would drink and eat with sinners and bring them into the kingdom of heaven. So it was actually part of his ministry. And at the end of his ministry, when he was with the disciples and he was instilling communion, he literally said, I will not drink of the vine right, wine, until the new heaven and the new earth are established, meaning there will be wine in the new heaven and the new earth. Okay, so that's, the, that's the picture the Bible gives us. Now, the Bible does condemn drunkenness, okay, just like it condemns sexual morality and condemns gluttony, wine, sex, and food. And so we see each one of these things can be blessings of God if used within the context of God's design. But when you take them out of God's design and you abuse alcohol and you abuse your sexuality outside the covenant of marriage, when you abuse eating food, it turns to sin. And then we, we indulge in these things that are, that are that in, in a way that's against God. We turn them into idols and the things that we run to instead of God himself for our comfort, satisfaction, and our pleasure. So what, I, so what I'm not here to do today is to encourage you to go have a beer after church. All right? Like, that's not what I'm doing. Like, Breakers is like, man, this is the busiest Sunday we've ever had. Like, that's not what I'm trying to do. All right? There are some of us who have a background of alcoholism and you know that just drinking is not good for you. Some of us are wired in a particular way that you know what happens when you drink, so maybe you shouldn't drink. Right? Some of you guys don't know how to have one or two that you always just take it to extremes. Right? There's these things. Some people should not drink. But there are other Christians and believers that have the freedom to do it in a way that honors God. You know your heart. You know your mind. You know what it means to you. Right? Some people have no opinion about drinking, and it's just something that they don't do. Praise the Lord. I remember when I was coming out of um, the party scene and addiction and drinking every night, and I joined a young adults group because I needed, like, that, that, that social outlet, that fellowship. So I'm hanging out with these young adults, and these are solid guys. I'm getting discipled. I'm growing in the Lord. And they're like, hey, you know, they invited me. Hey, we're all going to go to this concert, this little, like, rock concert at this Irish, like, restaurant slash pub. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And so, you know, I'm going to this place, and I'm coming with my friends, and we all sit down. It's kind of an outdoor, indoor environment. There's a, a little Irish band getting down on the, on the stage, and we're all just talking story, and the waiter comes up, and then everyone's ordering their food, and then half the table orders a beer. And I'm like, huh. Okay, and then, you know, then, they, then the beers start coming, and they're, they're all drinking, and I'm like, like, what's going on? Like, I thought these people were solid, you know? Like, I'm freaking out because I'm like, that's not okay, you know, because I grew up in a home that didn't drink, Christians didn't drink, um, and so I'm like, you know, all I knew about drinking was, man, I'll, let's go party, let's get wasted, all these things, right? And that was my experience, so I was kind of, for a moment, I was a little bit stumbled, like, like, I mean, is this, a, like, do people know we're doing this? Like, is this kind of under the radar, you know? Like a little rebellious young adult group, like th tossing them back. Like, like, do people know what's going on, right? And so my conscience had not yet been informed on the freedom that we have as Christians. I didn't know this passage, right? And, and I don't put that on them. They didn't know my past. But I can see how, you know, there can be this tension between freedoms and how judging and all these things can kind of happen, and so Paul is saying, despite the differences of conscience and where people fall in regards to these things, verse 13, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. 
For because of food, your brother is hurt. Oh, sorry, verse 15. For because of, of food, if your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. So remember where we're at in Romans, right? Paul explained the gospel over 11 chapters. And we hit this moment in Romans 12, which, you know, is like now in light of the radical work that that God has accomplished in Christ for your life. He's covered you. He's redeemed you. He's rescued you. All these things, right? Everything that God has done. Now, Paul is saying now, because of that, this is what a transformed life looks like, right? He's instructing them that to live this transformed life, the driving factor is love, right? Chapter 12 tells us to be renewed by the transforming of your mind. In verse 9, it says, let love be genuine, so from Romans 12 on, Paul is showing us how to love genuinely. How to show the love of Christ towards those around us. And in regards to exercising our freedom as Christians, love for God and love for others still need to be the driving force behind our actions. We learned last week that this wasn't happening in the context in the Roman church. And that the stronger brothers were, were looking down on the weaker brothers and they were flaunting their freedom, causing the young um, believers or, or the weaker consciences to stumble. Right? The stronger brother would show up at the weaker brother's house for dinner and bring over like bacon-wrapped pork belly and sacrificed beef burgers with carnitas on the side, right? Like it just, they just were not considering the conscience of the younger or the weaker brother and, and, and it caused him to stumble. And so there's people in the church that flaunt their freedom like I'm so enlightened, look at my freedom, but actually causing other believers with weaker consciences to stumble in their faith. And in response to this, Paul writes in verse 20 through 21. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is, it is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. And so in this passage it's saying that, that this actually had the potential to destroy a weaker brother because they would actually peer pressure these guys to go to sin against their conscience. Like, hey, come eat meat with us. It's totally good. And they would just kind of give in, but then they're, they're, they're sinning against their conscience, and it would actually destroy some of the work that God had begun in their life. And so what Paul is saying is that, is that when you do that, when you put your preferences before others, making everyone around you adjust to your wants, to your needs, to your will, in doing so, you are no longer walking according to love. Now, I've seen this whole tension through the whole COVID vaccine thing, right? This is a big one. Um, and I've had some interesting conversations. I, I have two of my super close friends, like really close guys, love the Lord, super solid, been walking with the Lord for decades, respected men, two guys that have completely opposed positions on this matter, right? One, like, was so anti-vaccine, like, he was just so opposed to it, right? He literally has these theories about it that if he's right, it's scary, right? And so, and then on the other hand, I have a friend who was like, just doesn't understand why everyone just didn't get the vaccine. Like, why aren't we all just getting the vaccine? And then you would see these two solid Christian men go at it about their particular position. And I'm like, man, that's crazy. And, and I'm pretty neutral on it. And, and some of you guys are probably judging me in your heart for that. Uh, but I just want to encourage you guys, calm down, read the Bible. You know, we're just, we're going over that right now. Um, Christians... You gotta hear me out here. Christians have the freedom 
to get or not get the vaccine. Okay? There are believers who thought if they got the vaccine, they'd be sinning against their conscience. But on the other hand, there's believers who thought if they didn't get the vaccine, they'd be sinning against their conscience. Right? And, so we ha- and then we have guys who just got the vaccine because it was recommended, and they don't really have a biblical stance on the whole topic, but they're getting berated by other believing friends and making them feel less than because they don't hold the same opinion of those of their brother and their sister. See, this one thing that's happened over the past year has caused so much division in the church. We have seen people leave churches. We have seen churches split, churches shut down, friends no longer friends, no longer talking, family members no longer talking. I'm talking about people in the church. See, the church is supposed to be known for a place of love, for known for grace, known for understanding, forgiveness, known for unity. But we have allowed this one divisive worldly issue to do so much damage. We need to read scripture and submit to it and learn to love each other through differences on secondary issues no it's and and, and this is the thing it's like it's it's been a really difficult season for the church worldwide pastors worldwide to try to navigate this it's so difficult because we love each other and we're seeing this thing come in and destroy so many relationships it's broken so many hearts How many people have been stumbled by other Christians in person or online by their harsh and harmful rhetoric on the vaccine or Trump or politics or a a certain Christian taboo, right? See, it's not our Christian taboos or, or our opinions or our political stance or the vaccine that we should be vocal about. That is not what the kingdom of God is about. It it is not what Christ wants us to proclaim. It's not the good news of the vaccine, and it's not the good news of conservative America. We have been called to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, and that our actions and the way that we treat others of different opinion, right, should be driven by the love that we have been shown by Christ and the love that we've been called to have for one another. See, love never disregards the weak conscience of another. Actually, love limits its own liberty out of respect for them. Love limits its own liberty out of respect and love for others. Right? What could have been spoken as a good thing, right, our freedom in Christ, can now be spoken of as evil because now we're causing someone to stumble instead of loving that person and setting aside your freedom, setting aside your rights, your preferences, your perspective to build them up, and instead we can tear them down. And again, I'm not up here to try to convince you right, to do these things because it's right or it's moral. I'm trying to share with you and remind you that in light of the love that God has shown us in Christ, let us love one another. Jesus went to the cross because we could not attain righteousness through our actions, our ability, or our right opinions. Right? And if you dig even deeper than that, right, towards past the outward religion, and you go into the heart of each one of us, guess what? It gets worse. Okay, God saw that he had to give us a new heart, that he had to forgive our sins, that he had to show us a grace and a love that would transform us from the inside out, that he had to give us his very spirit so we would know how to love God rightly and how to love one another rightly. See, it's being reminded the only reason that we are here is because God set his sights on us, that he chose us, he pursued us with love. In the midst of all of our waywardness, in the midst of all of our incorrect thinking and our misunderstanding on certain topics, God pursued us. Jesus laid down his life for us so we could be saved, rescued, redeemed, and set on a path to glorify him and enjoy him forever. And Paul is saying to these believers who think that they have attained this position because they're enlightenment, that are looking down on others, that are judging others because they don't agree with them, right? He's saying, guess what? 
you are causing those people to stumble and you're destroying the work of God in their life. Some people feel like they can get to this place and flaunt their freedom in Christ. And they forget that the ground is even at the cross. That everything that you've been given, every understanding that you've been given, every freedom that you're allowed to walk in has been given to you by Christ. And guess what? He died for the ones that you don't agree with. And he died for the ones that you're causing to stumble. So if someone is not where you are on something, on some issue, let's not look down on them. But come alongside them and love and support them. And even give up your rights and your freedom in an area so that they would know love and feel welcomed in Christ. And here's the thing. A lot of this happens more in our hearts than outwardly. Right? Where we can kind of be judging a little judgy. Right? Like, oh my gosh, did you see what she wore to church? Like, oh my gosh, I know. You know, like, oh man, that couple watches that show. What? Sinners. Right? Like, we can kind of battle there. You know? Oh, like, yeah, so-and-so, yeah, they drink. What? You know, like, oh, my gosh, they let their kids watch that. You know, like, oh, my gosh, bad parents, you know. They celebrate Santa. Oh, how dare them, right? So, like, there's these things, right, that, 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 we, just, that, we, that we murmur about. And we can look down on people and judge them because we differ on certain things. But here we're being encouraged to not judge one another. But remember, God is judged. That's what we learned last week. God's saying, I'm judged. But you, walk in love. Remember Jesus. Remember his love for you. Remember his patience with you. And I'm not saying that we can't keep each other accountable. Like if you actually think your brother and sister are walking into something that's harmful to their faith, that's harmful to their Christian character, that's harmful to their witness, I would encourage you to go to them in love. Right? In verse 19, it says that, that, that we are called to pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. So do that. Pursue peace. Have the conversation. That's awesome. But don't look down from our high tower and judge them. But engage in love and building up others. Not proving a point. Not showing how you're right, they're wrong. But humbly having an edifying conversation. Right? We should be so overwhelmed with the love we've been shown by Christ that it should overflow towards one another. Right? That in our differences, we would be the first to listen, the first to hear their side. Right, and that we'd be the first to lay aside our rights so we could love and serve and build them up. Because it's not about us anymore. Right? It's, it's, it's not about us. Our lives have been transformed. We don't live self-centered. We don't have to elevate ourselves over others to make ourselves feel better. No, no, no. We elevate Christ. And we do that by how we love one another, outdoing one another in honor. We follow Christ's example. And the sad thing is, is you can tell that, that the love of Christ, it wasn't permeating into the Roman church and everybody's, you know, heart. And we, and we know this from personal experience. Or we know, like, that Christ isn't, I mean, like, Christ's love isn't always our driving factor for all of our decisions and all of our actions and the way that we treat others, right? Because we could still be very self-centered. I can definitely struggle with that, right? We could be so self-centered, always wanting to be right, always wanting to be seen as having the best opinion, never wanting to be seen as unintelligent. So we will fight tooth and nail to prove our points, to flaunt our freedoms, to, but then doing so to the injury of others, and we forget that it's all about Christ's love being shown through us. That, that when people see our love for one another, they would turn to Christ. That when we see each other's love in here, that we would then be built up and edified in one another. Philippians chapter 2 says this great. It says, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit. 
but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. See, Christ teaches us freedom in the kingdom, right? See, what happens in this little church is that they were, they were focusing on these surface-level behavioral issues. But see, the kingdom of God is not behavior modification. Christianity isn't just changing the way you live. But it's surrendering yourself, surrendering your life to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He gives you a new heart. And from there, our lives begin to change and we see his righteousness and we see his peace and we see his joy in our lives. So look down with me in verse 17 and 18. It says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. You see, people are going to tell you that Christianity is about behavior modification or, or being moral or, or not swearing or having the right political stance, going to church, looking good on the outside. Right? And, and, and so Christians in the church, we can sometimes base people's spiritual maturity on how well they follow certain Christian traditions or secondary issues or, or, or man-made laws. See, this is how the Pharisees lived in Jesus' day, the Pharisee was the religious ruler who claimed to be the leader of God's people towards God, but they had drifted in their relationship with God because they were focusing on the outside and their heart drifted away. Jesus had words for the Pharisees. He said this, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. See, they kept all the man-made traditions, all the dietary laws, and they paraded their religion before men. But they missed Jesus. They missed God in the flesh, righteousness in person when he was standing right in front of them. See, the Pharisees, they made a big deal of the externals. But the kingdom of God is not a, merely a, a matter of externals, but eternals, right? Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. See, this is the thrust of the whole passage here in verse 17, that the kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking. It's not about eternal things. I mean, it's not about external things, but the eternal things. You see, the kingdom of God is the reign and the rule of God in the people of God moving forward. Right? And so Paul is saying where the Holy Spirit is bringing about righteousness and peace and joy, that's where the kingdom of God is moving forward. That's where it is being manifested. And so when Paul said in verse 16, you know, don't use your good for evil, right? Don't use your good faith, your good liberty, your good food to hurt anyone, right? He's saying don't put that much weight on eating and drinking. It's not that crucial. Why? Because the kingdom is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because the saving, redeeming, sanctifying rule of God, the kingdom of God, has broken into the world in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the King. And the evidence of his rule in your life is not eating or drinking, but how his righteousness is working itself out in your life. How his peace is overflowing into your relationships. And how his joy is a mark of who you are. What Paul is saying is that when God gives you his righteousness, his righteousness works within you, but then outward from you, and you seek to be in right relationship with those around you, and you seek to demonstrate God's righteousness. 
when you're at peace with God, then you become a peacemaker, right? And then, then as much as it depends on you, you seek to be at peace with all men. And so for the church and people in the church who were still judging, still looking down, still holding contempt towards brothers and sisters on these different views, he's saying that you're holding back the kingdom of God from coming into this place. Because the kingdom is not about these surface level external things, but about eternal realities. And if our heart has been changed, it changes the way that we love and we serve those around us. See, we're not at the center of the universe anymore, but Christ is. And he's demonstrated how to love and to serve. He said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and, and lay down his life as a ransom for many. And so we follow in his footsteps using our freedom to serve others. Not trying to boast in our spiritual maturity and knowledge, but humbling ourselves so others would be built up in their faith in Christ. You see, Christ came down from heaven. He left glory and he came to be with us. He laid aside his infinite freedoms. He laid aside his infinite rights that we would be saved and that we would feel his love and be built up and know God our Father. You see, Jesus paved the way. He forged the path. He taught us how to use our freedom in the kingdom by laying down our lives for the sake of others. And so when the spirit of God rules and it conquers our selfishness and pride and it replaces it with Christ-like righteousness, it is then that we're not stumbling our brothers and looking down on others and destroying their faith by trying to flaunt our freedoms on secondary issues. The kingdom of God is not these things. It's righteousness, peace, and joy, which come by the powerful working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And verse 18 says, For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. The one who serves Christ in this way, right, who's depending completely on the Holy Spirit, no self-reliance at all, whoever who walks in the power and serves Christ in this way, it pleases God. And it manifests his kingdom in the church. It brings his kingdom into the church. And then it extends his kingdom into the world. When we live this way, when we're more concerned with our brothers and sisters, walk with the Lord and how we can serve them than how we're different and maybe can judge them. Or when we have this attitude towards those who don't know Christ, right? We're not, we're not just talking about headline news or the lack of peace in the world. But we're more concerned if they're at peace with God and they know joy of eternal life with him. See, when we pursue these things and we live into the kingdom, we get to serve Jesus. Like this is how we do it. This is how we serve Jesus. It's not by saying, what are you drinking? What are you wearing? What are you watching? No, no, no. But how are you doing in your relationship with Jesus? How are you doing? How can I love you? How can I serve you? When we do that, we get to serve Jesus and it's acceptable to God and approved by men that the world will see the love and the grace and the unity in the church and they will believe that the Father has sent the Son. See, Jesus prayed to the Father, right? But then the night before he went to the cross, he prayed to the Father, Lord, let them be one as we are one. Let them be in us. Let them have the same unity that we do because when that type of unity happens in the church, the world will believe that the Father has sent the Son. They will believe that God has come for them in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. So this is what we're going to do today, church. We're going to walk in love. We're going to walk in unity. We're going to seek his kingdom first, not bickering over eating or drinking or secondary things. But to those in the church, we pursue righteousness. Right? We pursue peace with one another. And for those outside of the church, we ask, do you know Jesus? Have your sins been forgiven? 
Do you know peace? We look to Christ laying aside his freedoms to free us and to walk in newness. And so we live from here. We serve from here. We look into this community and see the dire need for Jesus to move in those lives and the lives of, of the world and the community that God has placed around us. And that we move outward. And we're not saying how are you living, but do you know the living and resurrected Christ? Because he's the one who does the transformation. This is what we're called to do today, church. That everything we do, that we do from faith. That we, that we not compartmentalize our life, but we actually hold up every area of our life. And can I do this from faith? And then we walk forward in love. Walk forward in unity. Walking in the kingdom and the power of the Holy Spirit. And praying that Christ's message and the power of the gospel would be evident in our lives. Amen.